All right, this is episode 26 of the Danden and RJ Machismo podcast. Uh, my partner, RJ Machismo, will not be here today, but tonight we have a special guest. All the way from the uh, DMV, we have Chase Hughes. He is the Washington Wizards writer slash reporter for NBC, NBC Sports Washington. Uh, Chase, uh, what a privilege to have you here tonight. It's a privilege to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So, um, you know, I'm sure you've been very busy considering, you know, it's, it's already the tail end of the All-Star, you know, start of All-Star weekend. Uh, and I'm sure you were working very hard uh, last night. So uh, what were your thoughts on the Wizards Clippers victory, 119-117? Uh, well, I thought it was a big win for the Wizards. You know, even though Paul George and Marcus Morris were out, um, you know, there was still Kawhi Leonard, still Lou Williams, and still a really good Clippers team. And, you know, if you consider the alternative, if the Wizards had lost that game, they would have gone into the All-Star break. Uh, losers are three straight games. But now they get to go in on a win. They've won eight out of 11. And now they've got wins over four of the top five teams in the Western Conference. So, you know, you kind of avenge that loss you had about a week prior uh, to the same Clippers team. And you did it with your defense. You know, uh, certainly it helped not having Georgia Morris out there, but the Wizards really locked down defensively in the second and the third quarter. Um, they held the Clippers to, I think it was about a five minute stretch without a field goal. Uh, there was a 21 to two run at one point. And then of course, uh, the win was capped off by an amazing rebound by uh, Russell Westbrook in the closing seconds. That was crazy. So like the big debate was like, who caught, who caught that rebound? Was it Westbrook or <laughs> was it, was it Beal? Cause I think Beal would just run off the clock, right? Yeah, so Beal technically got credit for the rebound, but I, there's got to be something that, uh, that Russell Westbrook can get out of that. It was also he was one rebound away from a triple-double, yeah. so I feel like you sh the tiebreaker should have been given to him and just give him the triple-double and the game-winning rebound. Because that then it's like, what do you call it? It's like game-winning yeah. deflection? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it it kind of left us, all of us in an awkward spot. Right. It wouldn't be nine and a half rebounds, right? So you can't round it off. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, Chase. So uh, we're going to start off, uh, you know, with some questions with you, Chase. I uh, really appreciate you having on tonight. Uh, so tell us more a bit about yourself. Well, I'm from uh, Northern Virginia. I, I grew up in uh, like Crystal City area and then went to high school in, in Fairfax at uh, Woodson High School and then uh, went down to college in, in South Carolina at Charleston and luckily got an internship at what was then known as CSN Washington. And um, luckily I've been there ever since, you know, just kind of slowly working my way up, covering hockey, covering baseball, now covering basketball and, you know, covered the Wizards. Uh, my first season was 2016-17. Uh, that was really exciting. Uh, the three years after that weren't all that exciting, but now this year I feel like the Wizards are, are bound to do some pretty cool things, you know, probably get to the playoffs and, and maybe make some noise in the Eastern Conference. So that's kind of how my career has gone. I'm just happy to be covering a good Wizards team now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you pretty much have, you know, like, a you know, you've had like uh, everything, you know, being a part of like, you know, like the Nationals, uh, you're saying that the Capitals and now with the Wizards. So uh, it's nice that you're from the DMV and then, you know, you went away for from for school and then came back here. So it, it was meant for you to, you know, to be covering sports. Yeah, I mean, I grew up a, a fan of all D.C. sports teams. I'm still a huge fan of the Washington football team because I've never covered them so that it's never been affected by that. Um, when you do get close to a team or covering a team, it does affect your fandom a little bit. But uh, I've kept my distance there. But, you know, I grew up I grew up a Wizards fan and a fan of the Bullets. Like I used to watch them on HTS uh, when it was Rod Strickland and Calvert Chaney and, you know, Jawan Howard, Chris Webber, all them. And so I feel like even though I'm, I'm not – 
like a fan of the team anymore. I cover them and I understand where the fans are coming from because like I, I went through a lot of those highs and lows growing up. And I just understand that Wizards fans have been through quite a bit yeah. over the years. Uh, and a lot of them are kind of cynical because that. Um, so even when things are going well, I feel like every Wizards fan is just suspicious that there's something around the corner that's going to happen that's that's not good for the Wizards. Yeah, that's 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 like being a, a Washington Wizards. So um, might ask you like who who was your favorite Washington Bullets slash Wizards um, player? Like I guess you know idolizing or growing up. Rod Strickland was definitely that guy for me. I just loved his uh, ball handling, his passing. I always thought he was so underrated and. You know, even though they traded Rashid Wallace uh, for him, and that trade is going to always be viewed by what Rashid Wallace became, um, Rod Strickland was the point guard for the best years uh, the Bullets played in my childhood, you know. And then, you know, I was a pretty big fan when they had Gilbert Arenas and, and Larry Hughes and, and all them. And um, I really liked, of course, Gilbert, but I also really liked Karan Butler. Um, you know, once Larry Hughes left and Karan Butler was the small forward, uh, I was a big fan of his game and his story. Um, and it was, it was just crazy to end up actually working with him and like doing TV with him. That was, uh, that was pretty wild because it was just like 10 years earlier. You know, he was, he, he was my favorite player, essentially. Who was your favorite player back then? Oh, so bullets. Um, I was a big fan of Chris Weber. So, yeah. um, you know, when he was with Michigan with the whole fat five, uh, it was like a dream come true for me because like, it was nice. I had, we had Joan Howard back in like what, 95. And then, when we traded Tom Gugliotta, it was like a godsend, like, oh my goodness, like the fab two. And then, you know, I was mad that Scott Skiles was with the team where he couldn't give the number four. And <laughs> then he went away and then he wore the number four. Um, and, you know, I think it was unfortunate that things didn't happen or he didn't stay as long as he wanted because they had something great going on, um, you know, with the whole marijuana thing, the whole drug incident and, um, you know, the whole choking incident as well. And then um, my favorite wizard is Gilbert Arenas. Um, I think, in my opinion, that he's like the greatest wizard that has captivated this city in the span of so five better years. than Wall and better than what Beal's doing right now. Actually, you know, Beal might be going. Beal is actually surpassing Arenas, but I think as far as like entertainment, Gilbert had the uh, you know he had like the the buzzer beaters. Yeah, he was tough to beat in that that regard. Yeah, but he you had know, the quotes, he had the nicknames. Hibachi, yeah, I mean, it, those are two different eras, right? So uh, it's kind of hard to compare, but they are great in their own way. Uh, but you know, I I would appreciate, I always appreciate Gilbert, and I actually appreciate you know Bradley Beal even more, being loyal to to the Wizards, and hopefully they can build around him. Yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, like Chris Weber. Um, you know, there's been, and we mentioned Rasheed Wallace too. The Wizards have, and Bullets have gotten, uh, have let go of guys at the wrong time, right before they became great players. Mm -hmm. And Bradley Beal's already a great player, but I, I feel like that's, that needs to be kept in mind. All, all the fans that like argue that they should trade him will just think about how you felt when they traded those other guys, you yeah. know? Yeah, especially with the whole backlash with like uh, with Wall being traded. And we'll get, we'll touch that later on uh, with these questions. So, yeah, I mean that that definitely brought like memory lane for for both of us as bullet slash Wizards fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. All right, so uh, as you were stating, you graduated uh, at the College of Charleston, uh, double majoring in political science and communication. So, what decided for you to get into the sports media business? 
Well, you know, I, I went to college and studied political science, as you mentioned, because I wanted to go to law school and, and maybe end up working on like political campaigns. Uh, but through studying it, I realized I didn't want to do it, you know, and I heard someone make a great comment. It's like, you know, uh, when you study something in college, you either find out that you want to do it or sometimes it's valuable to find out that you don't want to do it. So that's kind of the group I was in. And uh, toward the end of my my time in school, I, I realized I kind of wanted to work in sports or in sports television. So I was able to um, you know, get a foot in the door. Luckily, I got the like the email structure um, and found out the name of the boss of the website at CSN Washington and sent him an email. And, you know, I noticed that they had just redesigned their website. So it was kind of fortuitous timing. And luckily, I was able to get in. But um there was definitely some luck involved and also just, uh, I think on, on me being willing to take a shot and, you know, that's always just kind of been my philosophy to philosophy to at least try, because then you can at least live with the fact that you tried. If you don't try, then I feel like there's a certain number, like element of regret there that I don't know, I, I, tr I wanted to avoid in this situation and luckily it, it ended up working out for me. So you were almost a, an attorney, but your pat, <laughs> your, your, hidden passion that's why you double majored was you know communication or that led to the you know sports media business so I think it all worked out for you Chase yeah yeah I think it did um you know I uh I I was a sports writer in high school I was like the editor of the sports section of my high school newspaper but at the time I didn't want to do that so that's why I kind of went into a different direction but then I fell back on that experience and luckily I was able to get in at a time in the industry and at a time of my company where, like, you know, I feel like I was able to sort of learn on the job and for a while and make some mistakes, you know, maybe the same opportunity wouldn't have been presented to me if I came out of school right now. Um, so definitely a lot of uh, luck involved in my journey. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. So um, with uh, you started off your career um, as a part time digital producer for uh, CSN Mid Atlantic in 2010. Uh, working, working yourself up as a Capitals and national digital producer. Uh, what were the challenges you faced covering both teams? Well, the challenge uh, certainly covering the Capitals was that I, I wasn't a, a, I didn't have a, a great base of knowledge on hockey uh, going into that. It was uh, kind of, I was at the website in, at CSN and I noticed that, you know, there was an opportunity for me to start writing if I wrote about the Capitals and maybe get on air if I was talking about the Capitals. So I'd I re really, really learned and studied the sport and, and um, kind of stuck to what I knew and what I and didn't uh, try to get into what I didn't know. And so it was just the challenge of, you know, learning hockey and being able to talk about it. It's a, it's a difficult sport to evaluate for sure. There's not very many statistics. Sometimes it could be a one zero game and that one goal can happen in the last like two minutes. So how do you evaluate the other uh, 58 minutes in a game, in a game? Um, baseball, just the hours, man. Uh, covering baseball is uh, definitely, in terms of this industry, one of the most labor-intensive things that you can do because they're 10-hour days on a minimum, and they basically never have off days. So just the, the pure tonnage of hours that you have to log as a baseball writer. Honestly, since, it makes everything else that I've done seem easy, yeah. like, especially because like you go from baseball to basketball. And there's like legitimately half the games and you're at the games for a shorter period of time and there's no rain delays and the games are timed. So it's just like I got all this free time back and was able to apply it and still work really hard, but just apply it to other things and be more creative with what I do. Yeah. So compared to like what hockey has 100 games and 
baseball has 162 games compared to an 82 game season. That's yeah, just like half. <laughs> it's crazy. 162 game season, and they they're, they do take like batting practice for hours and hours, and post game takes longer. I mean, it's fun, but it's it's very draining and, and something that you know I, I feel like most people can't do for more than just a few years at a time. Yeah, that that's definitely a grind. So yeah, I mean, glad that you know you got into the into the NBA industry and covering the Wizards. So that, you know that's awesome. Um, so from a content uh, producer, you transition yourself into a Washington Nationals beat writer from 2012 to 2016. Um, which players uh, did you enjoy covering during that time and what were your favorite memories? Oh, uh, which players did I enjoy covering? I would definitely say uh, Bryce Harper. You know, he gets a bad rap. Is A lot of people think he's like a jerk or he's uh, self-involved. I always found him to be really pleasant to deal with. I mean, he gave me great quotes. He was always uh, super down to earth and he was just an amazing player to watch. Uh, you know, in 2015, when he won the MVP, it's one of the greatest individual seasons I've been able to cover. Um, you know, probably the greatest individual baseball season I covered, even though there were quite a few with the nationals, like Max Scherzer won in a Cy Young, um, other guys winning silver sluggers and get being in the MVP race. But Bryce Harper in 2015 was just on a completely different level. And then Ian Desmond, uh, he was our shortstop. He was a really nice guy, really down to earth, always great with the media. So those two would be um, the players that I would highlight. Um, favorite memories um, would definitely be covering the just the crazy playoff games, most of them that they lost. Um, but, you know, Jason Wirth's homer in game four of the 2012 NLDS, that was a really fun night to cover. Game five, when they lost the Cardinals uh, and they were up, um, before Drew Storen blew it in the ninth inning. That oh. was a wild game to cover. And then, um, you know, I covered two no-hitters, uh, one by Max Scherzer, one by Jordan Zimmerman. A 20-strikeout game by Max Scherzer. That was incredible. Um, but probably the first no-hitter, if I had to pick, like, one game that was my favorite to cover, probably Jordan Zimmerman's no-hitter. is on the final day of the 2014 regular season, if I remember correctly. They were playing the Marlins. And Jordan Zimmerman um, – Pitched obviously an amazing game. He was a no, he threw a no hitter, but the way it ended with Steven Souza Jr. having to leap in the outfield and into the left center field gap and, and save the day with that catch, um, it was something I'll never forget. And even though I I technically covered better performances, pitch, even pitching performances like twenty strikeouts, that was technically a better game. Or Max Scherzer being one strike away from a perfect game, that was technically better. Uh, just the way that that ended was so memorable, and it was the first no hitter I ever covered. Yeah, I remember it. Steven Souza, like, I think he did a over-the-shoulder catch, right? And it was just insane. Like, it, the everyone just erupted, and then, you know, Jordan Zimmerman got the, the you know, Gatorade bath and everything. The, yeah, it was such a crazy – the way it developed was so crazy because, like, uh, Steven Souza only played because it was the final day of the regular season, and they were just rotating in all the players on their roster. So it was like, you know, if this was – three days earlier then he probably wouldn't be have been playing in left field at that time yeah that's insane yeah what was um i think that was the year that they played the giants wasn't it it was like that 15 inning game yeah so yeah that's why so they had everything locked up and uh there was no reason to play their their regular players so they were just trying to make sure that they, they didn't get any injuries because they wanted to save everyone for that playoff series and yeah you're talking about uh be game two of that series they played yeah. 18 innings i was at that one too oh my goodness yeah so like what it ended that game like what two o'clock in the morning one o'clock 
one thirty Eastern time. Yeah, I want to say I want to say it ended at like twelve thirty or like close to one, but okay. it started earlier. I want to say it started at like five o'clock or something, and it was like basically a six-hour game. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was just they were just running out of. I mean, they're like they were using like you know starting starter pitchers already, and it was just like one thing after the other. But yeah, I'm glad things happen in 2019 now so they're they're good um yeah, yeah that's <laughs> all right um so in your current role for nbc sports washington uh covering the washington wizards uh how important is maintaining good relationships with you with with the organization as well as your fellow colleagues uh, at a professional level uh it's really important um you know uh when it comes to trying to break stories and, and gain access that's usually what it comes down to is relationships that you have with players and agents and coaches and front office executives. So um, it's important and it's become a tough part of the job now that everything is remote because you don't get to see people face to face in person. Um, you know, networking, I found that the, the best way to network is just to be able to talk to people and go up to them and ask them for their phone number. It's, it's tough to do when you're just cold calling people. So that's definitely been important. Um, and certainly, you know, at, at, at our office, um, you know, I, I feel like um, I've, I've tried to just be super as nice as I can to everybody, uh, no, matter, no matter who they are. And, and, you know, you feel like if you just work hard and treat people right, then success will eventually find its, its way to you. Um, but certainly that's important. But yeah, I mean, when you're trying to report on stories, relationships are, are, are the name of the game. Yeah, like I see, like you guys have a good camaraderie, like uh, you know, you and Chris Miller, and you know, um, you know the other, uh, you know, Drew Gooden, the, you know, those those people are awesome. Like you guys, like are pretty much kind of like, you guys are kind of like buddies, you know, like from co like college college buddies. Like you guys, you, yeah. know, you guys, a lot of lot of ribbing, a lot of joking around, but at the same time, when it comes to, you know, being on a serious level, you guys are all on point. So it's good that you guys have that good chemistry. Yeah, I appreciate that because you you never know when you're doing like one or the other too much. But and like I always I'm a little self conscious sometimes when on TV because I don't want to joke around too much. But then they make fun of me so much I have to fight for myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of like Chris Miller would be like, "Hey, like you know, let's lighten it up a little bit. You know, let's talk about this topic or that topic." So it's kind of like you're you're just following what you know how the flow of things are, and you know at the same time you just want to just you know you know just kind of trying to go with the flow kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Jason Smith loves making fun of me. So does Brennan Haywood. Um, so sometimes, yeah, they, they start it. Uh, I don't start it, but once they start it, I have to, I have to engage. Okay. Because <laughs> if because if I'm on TV and they make fun of me and I don't I, and I don't push back, the viewer is probably gonna be like, well, why didn't he say anything? <laughs> right, right. Like why? Like they're saying stuff and then he's not like justifying what he's saying. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's all, it's just friendly barber talk sports kind of thing. You know, like you're just talking, talking shop with your, with your, with your, with your buddies and, you know, just having good like sports debates, which is, you know, good and healthy, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're always trying to find a balance when you're on TV talking about the wizards, um, when they're when things are going poorly, you know, you want to be able to uh, evaluate them fairly without taking any cheap shots. And, you know, the fans are really fired up. I'm sure you are after the after tough losses or after big wins. And you try to reflect that. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun. Um, and it definitely is more fun when you're joking around with the people you're on TV with. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely lights up lightens up the mood no matter if they win or lose. Especially you know they've been on a they've been on a great tear right now. You know last month, which is much needed for this team. So definitely great. Um, so next question for you, Chase. Um, the the duo of John Wall and Bradley Beal was considered the best stretch of success that the Wizards had in a long time. What factors prohibited in taking the next level, such as reaching their Eastern Conference Finals slash NBA Finals? You know, I think injuries would probably be the biggest reason for that. Um, you know, they obviously 2016-17 was their best opportunity. Um, or you could go back a few years earlier than that when they were playing the Atlanta Hawks and, and you know, they were up in that series and John Wall broke his wrist. Um, so injuries prevented them from going to the conference finals that year. In 2016-17, they just kind of ran out of gas at the very end. You know, they didn't get much at all from their bench that night. Boyan Bogdanovich, as good of a player as he's become since he left, gave them nothing that night. They really tightened their rotation. And, um, and John Wall in, in that game seven um, just wasn't in good enough shape to be a factor in the fourth quarter. And it was something that he took into the offseason. He tried to really get in shape. And then he had his body just broke down and, you know, Bradley Beal in the meantime, ascended to become a star, if not a superstar, but John Wall just couldn't stay healthy. And you could never build on that 2016, 17 season. I think they also made some mistakes uh, personnel wise, you know, they gave Otto Porter a max contract and that didn't end up working out as well as they would hope the money they gave him was only going to be justified if he took another step in his development, kind of like John Wall did when he got his max deal. And so did Bradley Beal. And it just never happened for him. And injuries were partly to blame. So if they had let him go and maybe re-sign Boyan Bogdanovich, maybe they would have had a little bit more um, financial flexibility, but they ultimately had very little financial flexibility. And then John Wall got hurt and he was on a super max contract and was just basically a black hole on their salary cap. And they just didn't have enough to compete. So I think it was, in one word, I would say injuries, um, but also, of course, some mistakes made along the way in building their roster that, that limited their ability to compete outside of having that obstacle, which was John Wall's deal and his injuries. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, especially uh, in, in my observations when John Wall was here, I, you know, I, I think the most competent backup point guard we had was Andre Miller. And he was way past. He was his good. Time. Yeah, he was good. He, you know, he was good at you know posting up his you know lower you know smaller point guards and you know making some sound decisions. But I think the the lack of a quality point guard and the, a lack of a uh, shooting guard slash swingman. I mean, you had you had Kelly Oubre, and you basically traded him for nothing for a way you know past his prime. Trevor Reza. He was not the Trevor Reza that was here the first time before he. Flew, you know, lead to, to Houston. So, you know, had he st- stuck around, and I know we, he would have, uh, he would have definitely made the, you know, the, the cap go up. But I think with a younger talent like that, you should definitely invest in someone like like Ubre. And look how look look where he's doing now in in Golden State. Yeah, well, when it comes to Trevor Ariza, they let him go and. and just immediately they dropped off as a defensive team under Randy Whitman. They were a good defensive team. Like they had John wall. He was all defense one year. Um, they had Ariza as the wing. They had uh, Nene and March and Gortat and they were a good defensive team. You know, Garrett temple was coming off the bench. Um, and then as soon as they let Ariza go, they just could never play defense quite like they did with him. Um, the Kelly Oubre 
deal. I understand why they traded him. Like, I think it had gotten to a point where both sides kind of needed a change and a fresh start. But in hindsight, obviously, that deal did not work out. They didn't get much at all for him. They got a rental of Trevor Ariza. And then he left, and they had nothing to show for a guy that they picked in the first round and developed into a pretty good player who ended up having success in Phoenix and getting a new contract and then, of course, getting traded. Um, so those are the, some of the, the, move, the personnel moves that I think you could point to when you're talking about the mistakes that they made that were their own doing um, outside of the injuries that I think were the biggest reason why they kept falling short. Um, but certainly – if John Wall never had his body break down and had all those injuries, didn't have all those injuries, then I think they would have probably kept making the playoffs. Now, I don't know how far they would have gone. I don't think they ever would have made the conference finals, but I think they're, they, they would have continued to be a playoff team for sure. So yeah, that, that year where the way they took, you know, um, when they took Boston to game seven, had, you know, hypothetically, had, had they win that game, how many games did you, did you think they would win against the, the Cavs? Oh, man, I don't know if it was quite what Bradley Beal said, that they didn't want to see us. Um, but I feel like they would have matched up pretty well. I think they would have won two games. I think they could have taken them to six. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That was a good Cleveland team. Obviously, they won the title the year before, and they ended up going to the finals and uh, not being able to compete with um, – with uh, the Kevin Durant led golden state warriors, but I feel like I, I don't think the wizards would have beaten the Cavs, but they would have put up a pretty good fight. Um, I think they would have lost in six. What do you think? Do you think they would have beaten the Cavaliers? I think they would have maybe like, yeah, I think I agree. Maybe five to six games. They would probably steal one, you know, steal one at home and then maybe steal one, maybe get lucky in, in, uh, in Cleveland. Um, because at that time, you know, wall and Beal, they were just clicking like that backcourt was unstoppable as far as like, you know, they're going at ease, especially that that game six performance in um, at Atlanta where they just balled out. Like that was like the coming out, my opinion, that was like the coming out like game for, for both of them. That was an amazing game. I think that was probably the best game they played as a duo considering the stakes because they both scored a bunch of points. I think they both had over 30 points. Um, but John Wall was just unbelievable in that game. I think he had like like two or three blocks, like three or four steals, shot a high percentage. Uh, I remember was talking trash to like Quavo and Julio Jones yeah. courtside. I think Gucci Mane was there. Yeah. Um, that was like the peak of John Wall and Bradley Beal. Like that game, I feel like, was as good of a game as they ever played together. And it was on that stage. And then they just uh, didn't have enough against Boston. That was a, a deep Boston team and the Wizards bench. Um, even though I feel like in hindsight, it, was, it, it looks better now than it did at the time. Um, you know, you did have Boyan who turned into a really good player. You did have Kelly Oubre who turned into a good player. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I look at that Atlanta game six as kind of like the peak of the Wall Beal era in a way. Yeah, that was definitely great memory, especially all the, the trash talking with it with him and Dennis Schroeder, you know, calling him, <laughs> yeah. you know, calling him explicit, you know, explicit languages, like on the court, you can just read it. You can remember, well, remember Marquis Morris and Paul Millsap with the MMA uh, yep. move back and forth. That was great. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun series to cover. I remember going to the Atlanta Hawks practice at the John Thompson performance center and like interviewing Dwight Howard about it, like one-on-one, um, Paul Millsap and Dennis Schroeder. There was a lot of trash talking going on between those teams. Yeah, especially uh, Gortat. You know, he was saying, oh, yeah, you know, when me and him were playing in 
me and Dwight were playing in Orlando, like, you know, I was just like bodying him in practice. So <laughs> yeah. it was just, you know, smack talk one thing after the other. And yeah, those are great memories as far as like that, that tenure. So it was fun all last year, right? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, obviously the timing was tough when they traded John Wall. It was right before the season started. I think everyone was anticipating what he'd look like when he came back. You know, it's almost like Wizards fans were in it with him throughout that whole rehab. And he is just such a beloved player um, that it was tough to see him go. But I, I feel like we're starting to see that it was for the best, I think, for both sides. I think John Wall has thrived in Houston, even though their record uh, has, has really dropped off lately. I think it was good for him to get a change of scenery. And I think for the Wizards, it was good to try something new. You know, you'd had all those years with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Now you're trying something new with Russell Westbrook, and he's still clearly got something left in the tank. So I defended the trade at the time, and I will continue to defend it um, because I think it was – it might end up being one of those rare deals where it works out for both sides, uh, depending on what happens with that first-round pick that the Wizards gave Houston, of course. Yeah, and I actually got your back, Chase, because actually one of the very few that loved that, loved that trade. And right from the start? Yeah, from the start, because uh, my, my opinion, I, I've, and I've told, like, you know, my, my fellow, like, Wizards, like, comrades, like, I said, you know, we should have traded John Wall, like, two two years ago, you know, because you were just going to sit on the contract, and now, like, what, you, you're not getting, you're not getting a good rate of return for your, your max, your max player, so I think they would have gotten more in return, like, maybe a couple more draft picks, you know, and the, before the severity of his injury, they would have flipped it for at least, you know, maybe a marquee player, like a, maybe like a Russell Westbrook type of uh, type of uh, player. So we, we may never know. Well, right? Yeah, we'll never know. And, um, you know, obviously they had to attach something to get rid of John Wall. There's just so much uh, unknown uh, about how he would look when he came back. But I think to get a guy in Russell Westbrook who had just made all NBA, um, and is playing as well as he is now. I mean, that was a pretty good return for a guy who had ruptured his Achilles and hadn't yeah. seen the, an NBA court in two years. Yeah. I mean, I thought the Wizards, especially with how much they protected that draft pick, that they did pretty well for themselves. Obviously, the way this season started, it looked like Houston had won that trade, but I think the Wizards have caught up to them in that regard. And right now, I'd say it's probably a push. Exactly. So perfect segue to my next question, Chase. So uh, trading John Wall for Russell Westbrook was the base, best case scenario for the Wizards organization that they had to do. How much of an impact has uh, Westbrook ha- have, uh, at, you know, as being the leader slash veteran of, of the, the Wizards team? I think quite a bit. You know, going into training camp, we heard a lot about how he uh, makes a big difference just setting an energetic tone and with his competitive fire. And we didn't really see that early in the season. And I think it, in hindsight, it was because he was playing hurt. You know, he just wasn't himself physically. And I don't think he was himself mentally. Once he started to get healthier and started to get to the rim as often as he's used to getting to the rim and making uh, a lot of the Russell Westbrook type plays, like just rebounds out of nowhere, um, diving on the floor for loose balls. Um, I think those are, those are the types of plays that lead by example and they rub off on other players. And, you know, Bradley Beal has said, already that he's lifted his game by just bringing it every single night I'm a lot of the young players you can tell that they just love playing with Russell Westbrook Mo Wagner Denny Avdia just have really nice things to say about um, him and and the the leadership he's given them Uh, Rui Hachimura in particular I think has benefited a lot you know they had a meeting before a practice recently where Russell Westbrook made every player on the team describe and explain their roles on the team 
And, you know, he told Rui Hachimura in training camp, you're the only guy on this team that can guard one through five. And in that meeting, Rui Hachimura said, I can guard one through five. So Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal have kind of held him to that. And they say it's been a big reason why the team has turned things around, particularly on defense. So you're starting to hear stories like that, more and more stories like that, where Russell Westbrook made an impact on a specific player in a very specific way. And it's exactly why the Wizards wanted to bring him in as they set this culture moving forward. They feel like he's the perfect guy to kind of set an example for younger players. Definitely. I, with, with Russell Westbrook, I believe, like, um, my opinion, he had the Paul Pierce impact, right? Where, you know, I mean, he's not as old as Paul Pierce when he came to the Wizards, but just having that, that swagger that they haven't had in a long time, even when even before John Wall was healthy, when they were talking a lot of trash. Uh, I think that just that veteran leadership and accountability, that just shows that, you know, you know, we, you know, he, I'm here for a reason for, for me to be a leader for you guys. And then however we, you know, however this, this, this season will go, will will be, will define us. And, you know, they basically turned it up at the right time, especially that West Coast trip. And, you know, and especially with Hachimura, you know, owning up to his promise saying, you know, I can guard one through five. And that just, basically you know Westbrook just had like a switch on everyone everybody just turned up a notch especially when they lost Thomas Bryant now you have Robin Lopez um, you know contributing and even you know Raul Nito like that was a, a nice surprise too you know with uh, Ish Smith like out for quite for a good duration of the season yeah Hula Neto has been really really good um, you know the Wizards uh, it's Ish Smith was healthy, you wonder how much he'd be playing. And he's taken this opportunity to really run with it. Um, but Russell Westbrook, um, I think there's also been an element of guys just learning how to play with him. Um, you know, I think he's such a dominating personality on the floor. Um, you know, he, he has his spots and he kind of sticks to them, you know, in the mid range or by attacking the rim. He's not a big three point shooter, obviously, but you know, he's such a, a, a strong personality on the floor they kind of need to learn where to be and where not to be when you're playing with them and I think guys understand what he likes to do offensively they understand when the pass is going to come from him and at what angle and you're starting to see chemistry build between him and a lot of players on the team um, and when it comes to guys like Neto you know I think it really shows the Wizards do have some depth Robin Lopez as well you know filling in for Thomas Bryant um, that's one thing that stood out to me this year early in the season. It was like no one on the team could make shots and no one on the team could get stops. But now it seems like they have quite a few players at a lot of different positions. And it makes it a little interesting, honestly, as you look ahead to the trade deadline, which is March 25th, because um, what their needs are, you wonder if they need to go outside of the organization to fill their needs. Cause like right now I'd say like three point shooting might be a need, but you might think that your three-point shooting will get better just as, as Davis Berton shoots his career average. You know, Bradley Beal starts getting hot from three. Um, you know, they've got three-point shooters on their roster. They could try Anthony Gill. You know, he hasn't played much at all. Um, but, th yeah, they've got depth at a bunch of different positions, and it has me wondering kind of like what do they need as they approach the deadline? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even seeing their, even seeing their names with, you know, would would uh, Blake Griffin, you know, opting out from his contract? That's, I mean, it, it's just you know Twitter rumors, but just just seeing the Wizards' name just being like you know being rumored to sign him, and eventually he went to the Nets. Um, it's just it's just like a, a great fresh of air as far as like what winning does to the organization. 
Yeah, that one, I, I could kind of tell you that he wasn't going to sign with the Wizards just because <laughs> they've never had much luck with the buyout market. And you pretty much got to be one of those top teams, like a top contender. Like when a player like Blake Griffin becomes available, you know, the Wizards might be 10th or 11th in line when it comes yeah. to that, where they're going to sign because they want to go chase a ring. And right. Wizards haven't been able to provide that opportunity for a team in a while or a player in a while. And even in 2016-17, I remember the bio man went out and then they ended up getting Brandon Jennings, who was actually pretty good for them. Um, but it wasn't, it was even then when they won 49 games and they were, you know, one of the top five seeds in the Eastern conference. Um, even then they didn't get like first choosing when it came to the, the buyout market. So I feel like the wizards are a long ways away from attracting players like Blake Griffin. Yeah. Hopefully in time, you know, when they build around Bradley Beal and Westbrook and Hachimura, you know, they can be more, you know, accommodating to like bigger names and, you know, hopefully like that record, their record will speak for itself in, in due time. All right. Uh, so next question for you, Chase. Uh, Bradley Beal has emerged as one of the best NBA players in the league and is having a career year. So what will it take for him to remain with the Wizards for the rest of his career? I think they need to win to a certain extent. Um, you know, they want to keep him for as long as he wants to, for as long as his prime runs out, maybe for the rest of his career. Um, and he wants to stay here and he wants to build with this team, but certainly they're going to have to win more than they've won this year, I think, to, to keep him happy. Um, he doesn't want to leave and he doesn't want to join a super team. He's made that clear publicly and privately, but he wants to make the playoffs. And I think the Wizards are in the headed in the right direction right now. Like if they continue on this course, Maybe have one more, like if they play 500 the rest of the year, but they have like one more run like they've had recently where they won, they've won eight of 11. That should get them in the playoffs. And I think that's enough for Bradley Beal this year. You know, maybe next year he wants to take a step forward. But there's a element, there's a, there's a level of patience there, I think, for him. He just wants to be on a good Eastern Conference team that's in the playoff mix. And then from there, you can try to build to become a contender. So I think they need to make the playoffs this year. And if, as long as they do, then you can table any sort of trade rumors involving him through next, through this coming off season, to be honest. Um, and then we'll see how they, because certainly I want them to take a step forward the following season. But I think it's just a matter of, of getting to the playoffs if you want to keep Bradley Beal around. Yeah, most, yeah, definitely agree. Do you think, Chase, that him being named as an NBA, NBA All-Star starter do you think that also elevated his game this season as well once he found out that he was, you know, like a, a legit starter for this year? I think so. I think he was really surprised by that. But I also think that helps the, uh, the Wizards' cause to try to keep him happy and keep him around long term. Because um, last year when he didn't make the All-Star team or All-NBA, it was pretty obvious that it was because of the Wizards' record. So it was kind of like he had signed up for the, the long haul with this team, but probably not thinking that it would affect him individually in that way. It's like, okay, well, as long as he can still get his individual accolades and they win 29 games, that's okay because, you know, it's not affecting him, but then it affected him. So I'm sure he's happier now that, you know, even though they've lost uh, more games than they've won this year, he's getting recognition for his accomplishments because he should have been an all-star last year. He probably should have been all NBA. Um, so that's good. And I, I think it just was finally affirmation of a lot of hard work for him. You know, it, it, it was so surprising, I think, because he had been ninth and 10th among Eastern Conference guards the last two years in all-star fan voting. And now all of a sudden he's one of the most popular players in the NBA. So I think it was a little bit confusing for him. Uh, he's got some theories. I have some theories as to why that was the case, but I don't think anyone knows the, the real right answer. And he's just 
you know, not going to complain. He'll take it no matter what the reason is. Yeah. I mean, especially when John Wall made the uh, NBA all-star team where we had Nicki Minaj has helped off, off social media to, yeah. you know, bump up his uh, all-star voting. I think, like I said, like you were saying, like, I think it's just how he elevated his game despite being on a bad team and a lot in, you know, also no exposure, no national exposure, just seeing his stat line, you know, dropping 30 plus a night and then basically trying to single win, wingle, you know, trying to will his way, you know, to win every game. And, you know, at that time, like it was a tough stretch. So now I think with that stretch last month where it really defined like his all-star starter, you know, I think that caught a lot of eyes, especially, you know, you see here, like, uh, you know, inside the NBA, you hear ESPN, you know, mentioning his name, you hear first take, undisputed. So I think it's just a matter of him elevating his game at the right time. And that really caused my opinion and also like exposure too. like a lot of a lot of, you know, uh, players and you know, a lot of cities like L.A., New York, Chicago, Florida, you know, they want they want to support their own team. But they when they see good talent like Bradley Beal, they want to give them the benefit benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And, you know, Bradley Beal brought this up himself and it was it's a theory of mine. Um, you know, the trade rumors probably helped him. Um, in a, you know, any publicity is good publicity type of way. Yeah. Uh, Cause you mentioned those markets like LA and um, New York and Miami, you know, the, a lot of those fans of those teams were interested in Bradley Beal because they heard their team's name mentioned in the same sentence as him. And, you know, all those shows you mentioned talked a lot about him, particularly in the off season when it came to trade rumors. And I think it, it caused a lot more people to pay attention to his game. And once they did, they realized that not only is he really good, he plays the game the right way and he's a fun personality and he's a good guy. You know, he's got a good, um, he represents him and himself and the wizards very well. So I think all of that helped his cause. Um, and, you know, certainly being the, the leading scorer in the NBA didn't hurt. And last year, you know, kind of setting records for the points he was scoring and not being all-star or all NBA, all of it drew more attention to Bradley Beal. And the more attention he gets, the more people realize he's a really, really good player. And um, that was eventually, I think, all of it helped him break through from not only it's been tough for him to get all-star fan votes, but it's been tough for Wizards players over time to get all-star fan votes. So for him to be that popular was, I think, really surprising to him, but also to a lot of Wizards fans. Agreed, yeah. And, and now that he's with, uh, with, I think he was team, yeah, team Durant, so I'm sure he'll get the green light. You know, he's going to go for that all-star MVP and – I think that's, you know, once he get that, that's just going to elevate his game even more. He should feel like he can go for it. You know, he's the, he's the all-star starter, so the fans want to see him play. And he's the leading scorer in the NBA. Like, don't go in there deferring to anyone else. Take your yeah. shots. There you go. You know, I feel, like, I feel like Bradley Beal should feel like he's got the green light. Absolutely. Definitely. All right, Chase. So we're almost towards the end of this. I really appreciate uh, your time. Um, the Washington Wizards have good young pieces of, uh, such as Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia, Troy Brown Jr., Cassius Winston, and even uh, Mo Wagner. Uh, what are your expectations for these young players to take the next step um, in their careers? Well, I think they're kind of all in different tiers at this point. Um, Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdia would headline that group because they're the most recent first-round picks and were just picked for the Rising Stars roster, which was a pretty cool accomplishment. Rui has... Uh, was a plug and play rotation player. Um, I, I am pretty high on his future. I know some people um, wish he was a better defensive player, or a better shooter, but I feel like he'll develop those things. 
you know, he's pretty, he's 23, but he's pretty young in terms of basketball years. He didn't start playing until high school. So I think he could be a late bloomer, kind of like a Pascal Siakam. I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star or all NBA like Siakam, but I, I see more upside than a lot of people uh, will give him, give him credit for. Um, although he's already a good player, consistently gets you 13 points and five, six rebounds a night. Denny Avdia, um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster rookie year for him so far. You know, he started out really, really well. He played his way into the starting lineup, has since lost that job. But um, I, I think it's all about the long-term ceiling for him. You know, he turned 20 in January. So you're really looking to see what is he going to be like when he's 23, 24 years old. Maybe it's on his second contract that the Wizards will really find out what they got in him. Because you're betting on the athleticism, the size, um, the, the feel for the game, the skills that he already has at his age. It's going to take a while because he's such a well-rounded player to get all those skills or at least some of them up to like above average NBA level. So it's going to take time for him. Now, the rest of the guys on the roster, you're wondering who's going to be around next year. Troy Brown Jr., uh, they picked up his contract option for next season, but he's not in the rotation at all. I wonder if, if he would benefit from a change of scenery, you know, whether it's a trade before the deadline or in the offseason, maybe they let him go somewhere where he can play more minutes and maybe have a more of a playmaking role. Um, Isak Bonga is kind of surprisingly been in and out of the rotation this year. Um, I wonder what his future in the NBA will be because he's not really uh, developing any specific NBA skills. I mean, he's a pretty good defensive player and analytics like him but I don't know how many more contracts that's going to get him if that's all he can provide. Mo Wagner, you know, it's interesting. They didn't pick up his contract option for next season. Same thing with Jerome Robinson, but all of a sudden Mo Wagner's in the starting lineup and playing pretty well. So I wonder um, what his future will be. I think he's playing well enough where he'll get another contract, but obviously with the way things went with the Wizards decision, you wouldn't expect it to, to happen here. Um, so the Wizards have a pretty good group of young players. Um, Rui and Denny, like I said, highlight. Uh, that and and I think it's it's given them a good blend of young and old on their roster because they've got experienced star players and they've got experienced veterans and their roster is kind of expensive but when you have guys like Rui and Denny then there's still going to be upside to your roster because they're young players on rookie contracts with potential um, so as long as they get better even if you don't add players from the outside you know in trades or free agency your roster can continue to get better from within because you have players who are cheap who are uh, ascending, their trajectories trending upwards. Um, so I, I like how the Wizards have been able to keep their first-round picks and continue to replenish their young talent. Definitely. And, you know, I'm also big – I'm also high on Cassius Winston. Um, being a Maryland guy, I, I love the Maryland Terrapins. And, you know, part of them being in the Big Ten, you see Michigan State, where Cassius Winston had his best games against Maryland last last season. So I was like, I was like you know what, I hope the, the Wizards can get them and – they got him with the second pick. I think it was a trade that, that how they got him. Um, it was just well. If, if if you like Cassius Winston this week, I'm gonna have a story I'm pretty excited about. I I talked to uh, Tom Izzo for a long time about him. Um, I was I interviewed Cassius Winston, then I reached out to Michigan State, kind of being like, hey, you know, just you know, I'm writing this story. I'd love a quote or a statement from Tom Izzo. You know, I didn't even really request an interview, but he loves Cassius Winston so much that um, next email I got was, here's the cell phone number, call him tonight. So I was on the phone Whoa. the other night with Tom Izzo. <laughs> That's awesome. And you haven't posted the, the um, you haven't posted the, the article yet? No, probably midweek I'll get to that. But awesome. I'm pretty excited about because he was, he just went on and on and on about Cassius Winston. Yeah. And he's doing great with the go-go right now. Like, you know, he's putting up. Yeah, he's numbers. playing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's playing well. 
Yeah, and hopefully he can crack the rotation next season. So, all right, yeah. James, so this is, um, appreciate your time. So um, last question for you, ask me a question. Yeah, I'm excited about this. So you live in LA, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to find, figure out what I want to have for dinner tonight. Is that when you go back to DC, is there a place you always go to? Or oh, is there a type of food that you've been hitting up lately that you recommend that I should try? Okay, so when I go back home, um, and I'm not sure if I, I love chicken wings. Uh, I'm not sure if you if you like chicken wings as well. Oh, of course. Um, so it, I'm not sure if you if you've been around like University of Maryland. Have you? I'm sure you've been, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's a uh, actually University yeah University of Maryland. So there is a chicken wing place called Cluck Hughes. I'm huh. not sure. It's off it's it's off the University Strip, like as far as like near near the campus. Yeah. Uh, they, it's not called it's, it's, it's called as Pluckster's now so they kind of had a rebranding um so every time i go there it's always was clucky is not uh pc enough <laughs> uh it's it has a, it has a distinct taste uh, it's a funny story uh, my wife who was my girlfriend at that time i actually we ate there we ate, we ate at cluck use for dinner and i was going to propose to her i proposed to her in the parking lot Oh wow! <laughs> so imagine, so that place right? definitely has some sentimentality. So sentimentality. Yeah, imagine you're you're full you're you're full from dinner eating chicken wings and fries and all the grease, and then your your mind is just running like so many things. Like you just want to propose. You know, you're gonna propose to her, and you know, I proposed to her. Like, will you marry me? And then she started laughing, and she's like, "You only you would do something like this." Like, <laughs> and like it worked out very well. Uh, but yeah, Cluck Hughes is, is one place I love going. What do you uh, get when you go there? What type of wing? Oh, I get I get like I'm a spicy guy, so I get like the either the second or or the highest the hottest one, which is nine one one. Like wow. you have to like sign up. I have a very high. Uh, I have a high. Uh, tendency for for spiciness so so you could go on hot ones and I just go, go all the way I down the line. you ever watch that show yeah i like I, I watch it like i watched the one with uh with Shaq and like uh eldest alba i just see like watch i just enjoy like seeing them like suffer uh but yeah i think i can make a good run for it but i think i maybe tap out because i'm not familiar with the sauces um so yeah, um, I like Cluck Use, and then uh, not really familiar with like the new places, just, just like your local carryouts. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with like the the chick, chicken wings with the mambo sauce and you know fried rice or you know uh, French fries. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm pretty much a comfort food kind of guy. I'm not really as far as like uh, you know restaurant week where I go to DC for you know. Uh, I actually like going to. Uh, I forgot the Pop Tart place in DC. Oh, uh, Ted's. Ted's, yeah, Bulletin Ted's. Yeah, Ted's Bulletin. Yeah. yeah, I love going there. So like, you know, I haven't been home. I haven't been home in about two years. But last time I went, I actually went to Ted's Bulletin, and my kid loves like their Pop Tarts. So like, I bought like ten of them before going home, and they were all oh, gone. Wow. Like they were gone before we we checked in. On the, wow. He was, was munching. It's just the, a great. It's just a distinct taste. As far as oh, it's so good. It's such a good idea, good idea too. Like I'm, I'm surprised other places don't make them. Yeah. So for dinner, um, depends. Like, uh, what, what kind of, uh, what kind of food are you into? Uh, see, I'm not that picky. So sometimes when I want to eat, uh, figure out what I want to eat, uh, there's just too many options that sound good. So do you live in like Maryland or Virginia area or DC? Virginia. 
<laughs> Virginia. Um, if you like, I'm not. Do you like Korean barbecue? You know, I've actually never tried uh, Korean barbecue, even though I grew up uh, in Annandale, where like there's oh a lot my of Korean goodness. barbecue. That strip, that strip chase has nothing. What's but, the best one? Uh, there. So there's this one place called Ojigabib. It's off huh. uh, Little River Turnpike. So it's off when you when you exit off Little River Turnpike. It's just off that strip. Oh, it's called Oj. I, I can I can um I'll message it to you if you want. Ojigabib, huh? It's great. So like I know they've opened up um, outdoor dining over there in Virginia in the DMV. Yeah. So they do have outdoor dining. Uh, and the salad is really good. It just has like that. It's just uh, it's just a distinct taste. Like you just gotta try it yourself. And then if you like, you know, beef such as like bulgogi, which is like um, it's like marinated beef, kind of like uh, like stir fry beef, bulgogi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they also have like chicken. Chicken takes longer to to cook. Uh, if you're in the pork, they have uh, they have like Korean fried chicken. They, like uh banchan style yeah i think they do serve i'm not sure they do serve it but i know like there's a couple of strips around there if you like banchan that's that's a good move too oh, it just, it's unbelievable you just gotta wait a while like is it like 30 45 minutes as far oh, as yeah because they gotta they gotta fry it like three times yeah you gotta <laughs> fry it like three times and then like you get it like you're burning your, your tongue because it's so hot oh and yeah definitely yeah so um if you want to do carry out i or you know if you eat pho do you eat, do you eat like eating pho all of the above, man. Oh man, Love there it. you go. So I mean, the cold weather, like I'm, I'm sure it's pretty cold over there right now in Virginia. Yeah, it will be a, actually a good move, especially like you just, you just worked a pretty long shift last night. You want to get some, some grease going on, you know, get some co- good comfort food because you got a long, you got a long weekend ahead of you. So I think comfort food such as like, bonchon chicken will be good, and then you know get some fries. Watch yeah, maybe I'll go. Vote. Maybe I'll go to Clusters one of these days. Oh man! If if, Mar- if Maryland was playing games where like fans could go, I would have gone to like three or four games already this year. Yeah. And next time I go to one, I'll have to go to Clusters. Clusters, yeah, it's off University Boulevard, I believe. Yeah, off University Boulevard. Um, I think it used to be next to. Well, yeah, it's right across the the campus. So, cool. <laughs> definitely a great, great spot. I highly recommend it. All right, so that wraps it up with episode 26 with Chase Shoes. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on. And uh, we hope to, you know, talk to you again, hopefully, but, you know, hopefully for, for playoffs. Absolutely, man. Let's do it again. Maybe next time I can meet uh, RJ Machismo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you so much, guys.